It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, it is officially a baseball season, folks. Once you get to that point where you go to bed really mad and you wake up and you're mad when you're driving to work, that's how you know it's a season. In two games in a row, the Mets blew it. In this game, five runs allowed in the eighth inning of a game. They're winning since the first inning with a three-run lead. Ends up being a four-run lead, and they just let the whole thing evaporate and slip through their fingers. In the first segment of the show, I'll talk about the meltdown. The second segment, what I want to do is revisit the Joel E. Rodriguez-Miguel Castro trade because tonight the Mets could have used Miguel Castro. And then in the last segment, I want to spotlight something positive. And the pitching performances we saw from the Mets starters tonight was positive. Taiwan Walker looked great before he got pulled with the injury. Hopefully that injury is not significant. And then David Peterson in relief looked very good. Looked like the guy we saw a couple of years ago in 2020. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Let's get into it, folks. This was not a good game for the New York Mets. Things started off great. There was three runs scored in the first inning. Alec Bohm was an absolute disaster over at third base. The Mets seemed to have this strategy early in the game. Just pepper some balls over there. Stick the bat at. Just let him let him field the ball because there's a 50% chance he's going to airmail the throw or double clutch and not field it cleanly. Uh, so early in the game, it's a joyous time. The first seven innings flew by. There was some concern because Taiwan Walker exited after the second inning with shoulder irritation. Don't love that, but it's early in this season. Hopefully that injury is not too bad. The Mets were cruising to a win. The Phillies looked like an absolute disaster out there defensively. And it was just fun. We we're poking fun at Boehm, the Phillies, and the Mets' superior team. Well, the Phillies got the last laugh, unfortunately, because after David Peterson blanked them for four innings, they got into the Mets' bullpen. Trevor May pitched a clean seventh, and then everything unraveled for this Mets' team. Now, let's start off where everyone is going right now. Once again, Mets fans get to point the finger at the manager. That's what they're there for. We're blaming Buck Walter, and I get it. I get it. Does this guy make all the decisions I would like? Probably not. But you know what? I'm now sitting in this seat for my fourth season doing this show. I have covered Mickey Calloway as a manager. I've covered Luis Rojas as a manager. And the reaction is the exact, is the exact same with three different managers three different managerial styles, three different backgrounds. No matter what happens, we rip the manager. At a certain point, the common denominator is you, Mets fans. It's the way you watch the game. And it's just what you're naturally disposed to do. You see how the game unfolded. 
And when it didn't work out, everyone points to the manager before the relievers. And so I think I want to do a concerted effort this year to maybe talk about the relievers. So let's actually fast forward in the inning. Yes, disaster. Trevor May gets hurt. Joely Rodriguez, we could talk about left-right splits. We're going to do that in the next segment. We're going to revisit the Joely Rodriguez-Miguel Castro trade because maybe it wasn't a good trade. Maybe we can blame Billy Epler. But at the end of the day, Seth Lugo entered the game with no one on the bases, 4-3 to lead and two outs. Let me say that one more time. Seth Lugo entered the game with a one-run lead. That's his job to hold run-run leads. No one on the bases. Whose fault is it really? Is it Buck Showalter's fault? Or maybe did Seth Lugo have an off night and it cost the mess the game? <laughs> like if you really boil it down, if you you cut the noise, you get out of the echo chamber of Twitter, you, you really think about it. Are we really blaming Buck? Really? Now, here's where you would blame Buck because Trevor May is not used to throwing multiple innings. He did not do that at all last year. So in that spot, the Mets try to go back to Trevor May. And here was the thought process. You have Joely Rodriguez in the bullpen. You want him to face the Schwarber, Real Muto, Harper part of the lineup, particularly Schwarber and Harper. Uh, so that was the, the goal going into the inning. Let Trevor May face the first two batters, Alec Bohm and Matt Merling. And then likely they were going to go to Rodriguez to face Schwarber in a perfect world if the game goes as Buck Showalter was scripting it at that moment. May would have gotten Bowman Verling out. He would have put in Rodriguez to face Schwarber. He would have got Schwarber out. The Mets would have got out of that inning, and maybe they go to Lugo in the ninth, right? Well, things change as the game goes on. So what happens is May ends up walking out Bohm, just could not get his arm ready. And also, you got to remember, sure, he hasn't done it before, but do you think that Buck Showalter hasn't done it in a year and, and change? You think Buck Showalter just threw Trevor May out there without asking him about it? He probably said, hey, are you good to go another? Trevor May as a good professional said, yes, I'm good to go another. I'm sure there was that conversation that was had. Unfortunately, he wasn't good to go another, and he ultimately leaves the game hurt. But after the game, Trevor May really did downplay the injury, so hopefully he's okay, um, as is the case with Taiwan Walker. But that was the situation there. I don't think you can really blame Buck for sending him back out there, okay? Um, the way pitchers are used nowadays, generally speaking – there's guys that go multiple innings, and without Edwin Diaz there, the Mets uh, are pressed a little bit, and so Buck was trying to get creative. It didn't work out. Um, I understand if you are, are completely against that decision, but I'm just at the point where I'm not nitpicking managers um, over their bullpen decisions unless they become glaring, and I know that over the last two days you can say they're glaring, but listen to the show yesterday. Listen to what I'm talking about today. If you really follow his thought process – Buck's just trying to get this team and this team into midseason form. So basically, after May exits, Rodriguez comes in and he has to face uh, Yoan Camargo. That doesn't work out well for him. Gives up a base hit that puts runners on the corners. He does get Kyle Schwarber to hit a ground ball. That's what he's supposed to do: get lefties out, double play ball, but they just can't quite double him up. The run comes around to score. Schwarber is still standing on first base with JT Real Muto's up. Rodriguez, not good against righties, gives up a two-run homer, then stays in to face Harper, strikes him out. So when it comes to his normal job of getting out lefties, he got both of them out, two of the toughest lefties to face in the game. The problem was he gave up the base hit to Camargo, who he wouldn't have faced if Trevor May didn't get hurt, 
And then, of course, he'd give it the home run to Real Muto. That's a question for sure to talk about. Should the Mets have made that trade? We're going to do that in a little bit. But when it comes to this game, again, if you lay it all out, his plan gets screwed up, Bucks does, by the May injury. Goes to Rodriguez. It ultimately blows up in their face. He still got to a point where Seth Lugo was standing on the mound where if he just gets Nick Castellanos out, the Mets likely could have won this game. He does it. He walks Castellanos, and then he gives up consecutive doubles to Reese Hoskins and Didi Gregorius, and that's the ballgame. It's frustrating, but it's a lack of execution from some pitchers in April. We need to relax to be jumping off the bandwagon, to be already out on buck. A lot more goes into managing nowadays than just simply managing the bullpen. And if this continues to be a problem, I'll get more critical. But I'm not going to be critical of Buck Showalter on April 11th. I'm just not going to do it. I could be critical, though, if he was part of the decision-making that led to Miguel Castro getting traded. I want to revisit that trade a little bit because I think we did see tonight where Joely Rodriguez could be um, an inferior reliever for this team than Miguel Castro would have been if he is unable to pitch to right-handed batters. Before we talk about that, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so I want to take a moment to revisit the Miguel Castro Joely Rodriguez trade. If you listen back, you remember at the time I was indifferent to the trade. I said that it didn't make a ton of sense to me, but I wasn't going to get upset about it. The Mets wanted another left-handed reliever. They got a good one when it comes to getting lefties out. I thought that it would have made some more sense to keep Castro only because he didn't have any split issues. But again, my overarching take was I was indifferent. After watching this game play out, I think I might have to go back on my original opinion. And we'll see if this continues to be a trend. But the glaring stat last year was Joely Rodriguez got rocked against righties. They hit 339 against them, a 380 on base, 446 slugging. Lefties, 203 average, 288 on base, 271 slugging. If you look at Miguel Castro's splits last year against lefties, 198 average, 313 on base, 270 slugging pretty much exactly online with what Rodriguez did last year against lefties. Against righties, of course, Castro was way better. 180 average, 327 on base, 328 slugging. So you look at that, and Miguel Castro is a better reliever when you have the three batter minimum rule. It is a lot harder to carry a loogie nowadays because you go into these spots where you need them to get righties out. And for the Phillies lineup in particular, that's why they structure it with Schwarber first, Real Muto second, and Harper third because you want to let the other face Schwarber and Harper, but having Real Muto in the middle allows Real Muto to feast on those lefties, and he wins them a game tonight by doing that. The thing is, if you look at Joely Rodriguez's career, right, he early on can't quite catch on with the Phillies, ends up going to the MVPB, 
spends a couple of years there from 2018 to 2019, comes back in 2020. In 2020, do you know what righties hit against Joely Rodriguez? 167, 265 on base, 233 slugging. And you can say it was a small sample size. It was only, I think, 12 and two-third innings. It was 35 plate appearances. That's a somewhat decent sample size for a reliever. Reliever stats are the ones that I trust the most from the 2020 season because their sample sizes can always be small. So there was a pocket of time not too long ago where this guy was able to get righties out. If he can prove that he can do that again, we will look back on this trade and be okay with it. If he cannot and he does what he did in this game and he's given up home runs to righties and he looks like he did last year against righties, it was clearly a bad trade. But also, the reason why I was indifferent about the trade at the time was because Miguel Castro, to me, is a reliever that I still felt was down on the pecking order a lot further than some Mets fans do. I think there were some Mets fans who viewed it Diaz, May, Castro. And for me, it was more Diaz, May, Lugo, and like Castro, Adovino, probably Castro over Adovino. But I never loved Miguel Castro. He walks a ton of batters, and he just always reminded me of Hansel Robles. And I think that 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 uh, you know trauma from Robles sort of carried over into the way I viewed Castro. So I'm not going to completely destroy the Mets brass over a single game. But if the trends continue to to play out the way that. Last year's numbers suggest it's a questionable trade because Joely Rodriguez, if he can't get righties out, it's going to be very hard for him to be an effective pitcher for the Mets. And they just wouldn't have had that problem with Castro. So maybe you should have held on to Castro and try to find another way to grab another lefty to put in that bullpen. Now the question is, if Trevor May is out, what do they do? Um, there's nothing really in the minor leagues for them that, that's going to make a big difference. You'd have to hit the trade market. And I don't really know who's making trades, giving up their best relievers in April. It's tough. So hopefully May is okay. A couple names that I just pulled out um, as just the type of guys. I'm not saying these guys are on the block and the Mets can get them. But these are just a couple of names that I, I wanted to throw out there as potential trade targets. So you have Scott Barlow from the Royals. Three years left of control. Rebuilding team. That's the big thing. A rebuilding team will always be open to moving a reliever if they can get a prospect they like. So you look at Barlow last year, he saved 16 games, 2.42 ERA, had a 44.2% whiff rate on his slider. I've talked about it before. Nowadays, what you want is relievers with great sliders. He has one, uh, 83 miles per hour in a slider. He pairs that with a 93 mile per hour fastball. So that fastball is able to jump on hitters a bit. Um, really just relies on those two pitches. That's a guy that would be great for the Mets if they were able to pull off the trade. I don't know what it would cost though. You know, you're not giving up one of your, your top tier prospects, but is there somebody in your system that's maybe, you know, in the, the 11 to 20 range, your top 20 prospects that the Royals are in love with that you can, you can make a deal and try to get a, a reliever like that. I don't know. Another name is David Bedner um, for the pirates, a two, two, three ERA last year, but he's got five years of control. So if you're the pirates, he still fits your window. But you are rebuilding. So again, if there's a prospect in your system that one of these teams love, maybe you can make a trade. I, I would imagine if May's out and the Mets have to make a move, they can probably find something out there to get a deal done. But really, you're you're probably stuck with what you have. And you just expect Seth Lugo to pitch a lot better than he pitched tonight. And again, that's what I come back to. If Seth Lugo goes out and does his job tonight, the Mets win this game. To me, it's not about Buck. It's not... 
as much about the trade. It's just a night where the bullpen didn't come through, and that's going to happen. You hope it doesn't happen again, particularly in this series. Hopefully they can get back on track, win the next two games, um, and head into the weekend feeling good about themselves again. But we'll see what happens. Again, five games into the season really early. The best takeaway we got from this game, though, was David Peterson looked great. I want to talk about him. Also, Taiwan Walker did as well. So I want to talk about those two starting pitchers in the next segment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter is just looking up the parts on their computer when you can do the same thing yourself at Rock Auto and save 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for those same exact auto parts because you have a wide brand of manufacturers you can look at where that chain store might only be looking at the one brand their warehouse happens to carry. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are right below for every customer. So go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. While the Mets bullpen did not look great in this game, they did have two starting pitchers go. That looked really sharp out there, starting with Taiwan Walker. Looked great. Great, which is unfortunate because he left this game with that shoulder irritation. Two perfect innings, four strikeouts, got nine whiffs on 14 swings, was dominant. I don't know how much longer he was going to go in that game anyway. I imagine he's still on a, a pitch limit because he has had an uneven spring. He left his last spring start with knee discomfort. Now it's the shoulder. He had a lot that went on throughout the offseason to get ready for this year. Um, so we just don't know where Taiwan Walker is, if he's going to be able to make his next start. To me, this could be like a 10-day IL stint where you get him down in the minor, especially because Peterson looked good. I, I could see the Mets sending Walker down, let him get some work in the minor leagues once you maybe you rest him for, for six or seven days, and if the arm's good to go, you get him throwing, everything is good. Maybe you get him a couple rehab starts and just build him up in the minor leagues because I think David Peterson can hold down the fourth the way he looked, and it might be smart to be cautious here with Walker considering the injuries, the, the, the surgery this offseason. I would just be a little bit cautious there. You want him healthy for the long haul, especially if he's going to pitch the way he looked early on in this game. So we'll see how the Mets play that. Uh, but David Peterson is really who I want to talk about because that looked like 2020 David Peterson. David Peterson's never going to be the guy getting a ton of whiffs. He's not going to be the big strikeout pitcher. He is a ground ball pitcher. That's what he does. And he was playing his game tonight, able to just mix in the changeup, the slider, the fastball, the sinker, and command the bottom part of the zone. That's what he has to do. He has to at times elevate and change the eye level for hitters. But it's really about being refined down in the zone, and that's exactly what he was in this game. 58 pitches, 32 strikes, and honestly, he's a nibbler. You don't want David Peterson to just straight attack because if he does that, especially in a band box, he can get rocked. You want him to keep the hitters off balance, to try to, to get you know a backdoor slider in or a changeup to catch the corner and, and, and to, to at times 
bury a pitch and hope he gets a swing on it to get ahead in the count. And then he can get hitters into bad situations and induce that weak contact. So I love what I saw out of him. Again, he walked those two. He gave up three hits. He struck out three, but he did not allow a single run. Went through four innings, so he got 12 outs. And here's the breakdown. You have the three strikeouts. You have five ground balls, and he got a big double play ball to get out of a jam and keep a run off the board in that game. So that was six outs accounted for on the ground, two fly balls, and he also picked off Gene Segura. So that is the type of game you want to see from David Peterson. Almost got up to 60 pitches. That means if he were to take the next turn in the rotation, you probably have him for 75. David Peterson, the type of pitcher, you don't really want to have him face the, the lineup a third time through anyway. So I, I could see the Mets next time going to Peterson, maybe have Williams piggyback it. And I think they can get through that way for the next one or two turns of the rotation until you get Taiwan Walker back. And if there is another injury this year, I'm pretty confident that David Peterson can hold down the fort for 10 to 15 starts this year. Um, you know, anything more than that, I'd be a little bit concerned because that just means that some of these other big guys are out. But assuming you get Jacob DeGrom back at some point, assuming Taiwan Walker's not out for too long, you shouldn't have to lean on Peterson too heavily. But when he gets in the game, if he looks like that, he's more than capable to be a fifth starter. But the depth gets Finn behind that. So that's why these injuries get concerning. Right now, we knew going into the season that the Mets would be in great shape if they could set up their depth chart so Tyler McGill and David Peterson were the sixth and seventh starters. That's exactly how it played out. Both of them are already in this rotation. The offseason plan has worked up to this point, but if another injury pops up, that, that's where you're going to start to feel it a little bit for this Mets team because then you're into Trevor Williams and beyond that, you know, there's, there's just less options that are good options available. Regardless, right now, I think this Mets team is fine. It's five games. So if you went to bed angry, woke up mad, you're driving into work right now, take a deep breath, okay? We got baseball back. It's part of the season. You're going to be pissed off. In the best season, you'll still be pissed off, you know, 65 times at least. So let's relax. Two more against the Phillies. You got Tyler McGill going against Zach Wheeler. Wheeler, as I noted on yesterday's show, likely on a pitch limit, maybe only 60 pitches. We'll find out. As that game goes on, the Mets got to really work them a bit, try to get into that Phillies bullpen early, um, and hopefully Tyler McGill can go out and look as sharp as he did on opening day. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. We call him Sully. Locked on MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked on MLB wherever you get podcasts. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.